Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. getting ready for church this morning and I was listening to Dr. David Jeremiah preaching and he told the story of a story that he had heard of a Sunday school teacher. They had their children in the back and the Sunday school teacher gave all the kids a little empty plastic Easter egg and said next Sunday is the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. So bring something, put it in your little plastic egg that reminds you of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so the kids all came and this one little girl brought her egg up and the teacher opened it up and it was a little flower in there. And she said, why the flower? And she said, because during this time, God makes everything new, everything fresh. And then a little boy brought up his egg and there was a little nail in there and said, why the nail? And he said, because it reminds me of when Jesus was nailed to the cross for our sins. And then another little child brought up an egg and there was a little pebble in there. And the teacher said, why the pebble? And said, reminds me that the stone was rolled away. And finally, they had a little child in there, Billy. And Billy was a little handicapped didn't think like all the other kids and Billy brought up his ache and when the teacher opened it it was empty and the kids kind of snickered and the teacher said Billy how does this remind you of Jesus he said when I think of Jesus I think the tomb was empty and that makes him the resurrected son of God Amen. As a family of God, would you take your neighbor's hands, male and female, young and old, long hair, no hair, red hair, black, white, brown, a body jointly fit together. And I want to ask you to come in agreement with me this morning for our nation. We're going to see that Jesus has paid the price for us. But I want us to pray for our nation. I want us to pray that we will become once again one nation under God. And when we are, we become indivisible with liberty and justice for all. This last Wednesday, we went and saw the Jesus Revolution. We took, we were able to rent a theater, had about 150 people. We're going to bring it to the church. They're going to allow us, we're going to show it on a Sunday morning. And that Jesus revolution is what Tiz and I got saved in. And by the way, not only did Jesus get up, but Tiz is back in the house and mama got up. And she's actually gonna be preaching next Sunday. But in the Jesus revolution, it showed a move of God that we got saved in, the hippie movement and we got saved in. I was doing, I got called by radio, station and they were asking me about my testimony and how I got saved in that and they said you know the statistics are saying that young people are leaving the church by the groves and she said pastor what's the answer and I'm telling you by the spirit of God it came to me at that moment it came to me you know in ancient Hebrew there's no word far It's not a coincidence that this movie the Jesus revolution came out and when she asked me that it hit me During the time that the youth in America was at the greatest attack, it was drugs, it was immorality, it was rebellion, it was everywhere. And at the time when Satan was attacking the young people, which many was attacking the future of our country, out of nowhere came a nationwide, worldwide Jesus revolution. And I said, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when Satan is 
pulling all stops out to attack our kids in our schools and in our nation. Get ready, devil, because we declare the tomb is empty and he got up. Somebody shout amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the power of Jesus. We thank you for the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, we ask you to do it again. Bring a revolution of Jesus' love and power and might upon our nation. Father, upon our leaders, upon our churches, and upon our young people. And we declare, no matter what it is that Satan tries to throw at us, we can declare in the name that is above every name, death, where is your sting? Because you didn't just kill our Savior, but when you buried him, we declare by the power of God, this will happen in our nation. He got up and the power of that resurrection is on every one of us and our country and around the world. If you believe that God can bring another Jesus revolution, give the Lord a great big shout. Clap your hands on the power of his resurrection. Before you're seated, turn to four or five people, give them a high five and say he got up, amen. Awesome, awesome. You may be seated, the Lord bless you. We're gonna read the scripture from Matthew chapter 21. But before we do that, I want you to take a look. Well, you don't have to turn there, but take a look this morning at John 10.10. 10. Yes. I say this all the time, and so sometimes it sounds like I'm just repeating myself or I'm being redundant, but it's so important that everybody understands this. You know, when I first received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, making heaven my home wasn't my priority. Now, I know that sounds strange because when we think of being saved, we think of Jesus paying the price for our sin so that we can live forever and ever. And every one of us is going to live forever and ever. The decisions we make about Jesus determines where we will live. But when I first got saved, I was a heroin addict. I was a drug addict. And so I wasn't really concerned about heaven as much as I was concerned about my life here. How am I going to stop being a drug addict? And when I thought about this, I love that song. They, it, it, that song was so marvelous, the Via Dolorosa, the road of suffering. If all Jesus did was pay the price, die on the cross, so that we can make heaven our home. We couldn't worship enough. We couldn't love him enough. But can I tell you something? And I think this is so wonderful. And when I realized this, it was such a marvelous thing in my life that Jesus didn't come just to get me to heaven someday. You know, I've been, I've been born again 46, 47 years, something like that. What if Jesus would have said, okay, you're forgiven. Now, good luck. I hope you make it. But he didn't do that. In John 10, in John 10, 10, it says, I've come to give you life and that life more abundantly. You know, when I was reading this last night in my, in my study, I couldn't help but be gripped by the beginning of that scripture where Jesus said, Satan comes for no other reason. Now, I want you, I, I love the way Jesus says this. Satan comes for no other reason except to kill, steal, and destroy. And I want you to think about that when you hear a politician, a teacher, a friend, a preacher, if they say, well, you don't have to listen to the word of God. All you have to do is do this. And I want you to immediately think, you know what? It sounds good. It, it, it sounds good. But if it doesn't match what God's word says, then only know this. It may sound good, 
But even if Satan comes as an angel of light, he's come for no other reason, Jesus said, but to steal, kill, and destroy all the blessing and the destiny that Christ has for you. But he said, I've come to give you life and that life more abundant. And that's why Jesus on this day walked the Via Della Rosa, the road of suffering. You know, for the sake of time, the scripture is about, can I, Derek, can I give you this, please? Thank you. The scripture is Jesus comes riding in on a donkey and he's, he's riding in, it's Passover. And so the children of God, the Jewish people who worship God were waiting for the Passover lamb to come. And all of a sudden, instead of the Passover lamb coming in, here comes Jesus fulfilling the prophet's prophecy comes riding in on a donkey. And all of a sudden, the people begin to cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Now, the word Hosanna has two different meanings. It means praise God, Hosanna in the highest, praise God. But the word Hosanna also means save us. Now, many scholars, and I agree with them, say that they kind of missed what was happening. Because the Jewish people believed that when the Messiah came, he would come and save them and deliver them from the enemy. The enemy at that time was Rome that had them in slavery, had them in poverty, had them in fear, had them in bondage. And so when they saw Jesus coming, realizing that he was the Messiah, they thought about the Messiah that comes and he's about to come not on a donkey as a servant, but on a stallion as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we're not far away from that day happening, and we need to be ready. But when they cried out, Hosanna, save us, a lot of preach, and I've even preached this, a lot of people have preached and thought they missed it because they were saying, save us from the enemy. But I think what we need to see today is that's exactly what Jesus did. That's exactly what the song, the Via Della Rosa is about, is yes, someday, someday, he will, we will make heaven our home with him. But he has come today to give us that life today, a life today of abundance and blessing and goodness. And so in reality, on that journey to Calvary, he did come and save us and deliver us from every enemy that comes against us. And that's through his precious blood. We sing the song, the Via Della Rosa, and that was as, as beautiful as, as beautiful as I've ever heard it. The, word, the, the term Via Della Rosa means the walk or the way of suffering. When you go to Israel with us, if you're going in a few weeks, you'll, we'll walk the Via Della Rosa. There are the spots that Jesus shed his blood through old Jerusalem. But I want to walk with you very quick today, that road of suffering, for you to understand that, yes, someday he'll get us to heaven, but he's come right now, right now. Because I believe we're closer to the coming of the Lord than we can even imagine. And when he comes, we're going out a glorious bride without spot, without wrinkle. It's time for us to walk in the power and the victory of God in every part of our lives. So we look at the very first place in the road of suffering that Jesus shed his blood. Most of us know this, that when you go to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, being the Son of God, knew what they were going to do to him. Being a human being, he knew he would feel and experience what they were about to do. He knew they would arrest him. He knew that they would pull the beard from his face and his skin would come out. He knew that they would beat him till his organs were exposed. He knew that they would shove a crown of thorns on his head. He knew they would nail him. He knew they would spit at him. They, knew, they would mock him. They would hang him naked in front of his mother and make fun of him. So being the son of God, he knew this. But being a human, he knew, I'm going to feel every bit of this. That's why I love when we show the pictures of, you know, I, I, 
the suffering that Jesus went through, you can realize why he would say, Father, if there be some other way, is there some other way that we can save them, that we can deliver them? But then he knew this is why he came. In the Garden of Eden, God said to Adam, all of this is yours, but don't touch that. Adam said, Father, not your will, but my will be done. And our Bible says Satan became the prince of the world, which means the ruler of the world. Satan began to run, rule the world. Go all the way now to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus is praying, and he said, Father, if there be some other way. But then he said, not my will, but thy will be done. And the Bible says when he surrendered his willpower, he began to sweat great drops of blood. Why did Jesus shed blood? We need to remember that we're redeemed. We're reconnected to the power of God through the blood of Jesus. When I came into church the first time, I was a drug addict. I was mainlining heroin and cocaine into my veins, sometimes 10, 12 times a day. I was a drug dealer. But even worse, I had a violent anger about me. And I would say all the time, I'm going to stop doing this. I would stick the needle in my arm and shoot the drugs in my arm and then say, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I would take that needle and go to my door. I lived in the woods in a little cabin and I would throw it out in the woods. And then several hours later, I'd be in the in the leaves looking for that needle again because I wanted to quit. I wanted to stop, but I didn't have the willpower to stop. But when I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I'm telling you, the world says you'll never change. They told my mom and dad, your son's a junkie. And the world says once a junkie, always a junkie. But I'm here to tell you, that may be what the world says, but what the word says is who the son sets free shall be free indeed. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. I love to tell people, God did not make me a drug addict. God did not make me someone with violence. But what Satan meant for evil, God used it for good. And I can say to anyone here, maybe you have a drug problem or an alcoholic problem or you have an anger problem or you have a depression problem, whatever it is, I'm telling you, when you come to Jesus and we put the blood of Christ on the door of your home like they did on Passover, God Almighty, the Father, will stand in front of your life and say, Satan, you are not coming in this home anymore. And who the Son sets free truly is free indeed. Today, somebody shout today. Today is the day of your freedom. Then we look at the second place that Jesus shed his blood. When they tied Jesus to the whipping post and they took the, the whip with the barbs and the bones and the metal and they whipped Jesus. So many times we think that Jesus was whipped 39 times and that's not what the scripture says. Paul said he received 40 stripes minus one. And that was a Jewish rule that you could never go beyond the number of 40. And so they would if somebody was sentenced to the severest sentence, they would back off one to make sure that they didn't penalize someone more than God would allow. But when they, Jesus was whipped, he wasn't whipped by the Jews. He was whipped by a government. He was whipped by an empire that hated God and hated the Jewish people. And so when Jesus was whipped, he was whipped without limitation and the teachings say that his body was broken and, and shredded as no other person has been shredded to the point all around that his organs picture Jesus trying to get to Calvary with this enormous cross on him and his organs are exposed front and back and he could have stopped it at any time but he wanted to let us know that by his stripes it doesn't matter if it's the disease known to man or a disease nobody has ever heard of before through the blood of Jesus Jesus' blood is stronger than any disease. And I'm here to tell you, they gave my grandson, who was seven months old, no chance to live, never had a child with this kind of cancer survive. And here he is running around today, five years old, cancer-free because of the power of the blood of Jesus. 
We sat in the office five years ago, and they told Tiz and told uh, my family, well, I think we can give you three months because this will not only be on you and untreatable, but it will pass to your sons and your daughters and your grandsons and your granddaughters. But I want you to know mama is in the house because greater is the power of the blood of Jesus. Amen. What Satan means for evil, God will use it for good. God did not give lion cancer. God did not give tis cancer. But we're here to tell you that whatever sickness you may face, our Lord and Savior has already paid the price. By his stripes, you're already healed. And if you need prayer, you come to us because we know, not just because we read it, that should be enough, but we have walked through the valley of the shadow of death and we have come out on the other side. And the reason is, is to go back and help you walk through it. We can tell you right now because we have experienced it. God can do something for you that no one has ever heard of before. That's the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. From the whipping posts, they mocked Jesus, calling him king of the Jews. And they took the thorn bush and broke it off and wove it into a crown and shoved it onto the brow of Jesus. If you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden again, everything Adam and Eve touched, it was blessed by God. Everything they, they, everything they planted and everything they reaped, it was just miraculous harvest. But when Adam disobeyed, he removed man from the garden, which means he divorced him from being Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And he said, now to remind you of this penalty of poverty and lack and failure by the sweat of your brow, no matter how much you sow, no matter how much you, you, you try to harvest, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to eke out an existence. But we need to remember that Jesus said, didn't say, I come to just barely get you by. Jesus said, I've come to give you a life and a life more abundant. And when the ground was cursed with thorns and thistles and the curse of mankind by the sweat of your brow, they take that symbol of the curse of failure, of poverty. Listen, I don't care if you're male or female. I don't care if you're white or black or brown or Asian or whatever you are. It is the Father's good pleasure. Somebody ought to say amen. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Don't you let anybody say, well, you're a woman in a man's world, or you're this in somebody else's world. No, I'll tell you, we may be in this world, but we are not of this world because we are the, of the kingdom of God, and we are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. And so when they took the symbol of poverty and they shoved it on the brow of Jesus, we remember we were cursed by the sweat on Adam's brow, but we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus' brow. And I declare one of the prophecies of the coming of the Messiah is there will be, there will be, receive it right now, there will be an end time transfer of wealth. The wealth of the wicked is going to be put in the hands of the righteous. Somebody's going to get a financial blessing this year. It might as well be you. Oh, give the Lord a clap offering of praise. So the fourth place we see the blood of Jesus shed is when they nailed Jesus to Calvary. Now, we've said this over and over again, but we need to remember that this was 2,000 years ago. The Roman emperor, empire, just in the time of Jesus, crucified tens of thousands of Jews not just three, tens and tens and tens of thousands of Jews. They would line the roads with Jews being crucified. So you couldn't run down to the hardware store and get nails. It's, it's 2,000 years ago. The common practice is that when someone is crucified, they would be tied to the cross. The reason is, is because you're not, you don't die from the nails, you die from the weight of your own body, and it takes days and days and days for this to happen. 
So, but when they got to Jesus, they tied the thief on the left. They tied the thief on the right. But when they got to Jesus, they took to make him suffer more. They took these spikes and they drove them into the hands and the feet of Jesus. But once again, Satan was playing right into the hands of God. Because every time they drove that spike and blood came out of their hands, he didn't realize that through the blood of Jesus, that blood was buying back your authority. Everything. Say everything. Say everything. Say everything again. Everything you put your hands to, I will cause it to prosper. That's not because of, 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 of some special intelligence that we have or some special gift that we have. That's because of the redeeming power of the blood of Jesus. When Adam and Eve put their hand to something in the garden, it was miraculously multiplied. It was miraculously blessed. And now you and I, the blood of Jesus has broken that curse of poverty. Now through their hands, when you lay hands on someone, when you lay hands on your checkbook, when you lay hands on your children's pillow, when you ha lay hands on everything, anything you're doing, when you put your hands on that, I want you to see the nail-printed hands of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the blood that came out and say, you know what, devil? You may have stolen our authority, but we have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb and I want you to know that when we lay hands on something God commands his blessing to be on that would you give the Lord a clap offering and then they took a nail and they drove it in Jesus feet when Adam and Eve walked the earth he gave them authority and dominion but when they disobeyed God and Satan became the ruler of this world human race lost their authority they lost their dominion but when they nailed jesus feet to that cross and the blood came down his feet he said remember wherever you go i am going with you i am the power of healing i am the power of deliverance i am the power of victory i am the power of being an overcomer i am the power of being the head and not the tail i'm the power of being the lender not the borrower and wherever you go go every place you put the sole of your feet I will give it to you for an inheritance when you walk in the work you need to see blood-stained footprints wherever you go and say to yourself you know what somebody's going to get a raise here it might as well be me somebody's going to become the boss might as well be me somebody's investments are going to rise to the top might as well be me when they nailed Jesus to the cross he bought back our authority and our, our dominion. We are not God's little boys and girls. We are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. And so when the devil tells you, who do you think you are? You rise up and say, I'll tell you who I am. Through the name that's above every name and through the blood that's above every power, I am almighty God's son and I believe in the power of his resurrection. Somebody shout amen. Whatever you bind on earth. Jesus said to Peter, who do you say that I am? That's the reason we, he walked the Via Dolorosa. Who do you say that I am? You can almost see Peter going, you're the Christ. You're the anointed one. Which in Hebrew means you're the burden removing and the yoke destroying power of God. And Jesus said, Peter whatever you bind on earth so many times we're saying you know when when tis and excuse me for teaching when tis and lion got cancer we didn't ask jesus to heal we bound the devil we bind the spirit of cancer we bind the spirit of a th uh, of infirmity and we thank you that by his their stripes his stripes were already healed we bind the devil and then we praise him when we walk into what god has already paid for us through the blood of jesus christ by praise and thanksgiving somebody say amen and then we see jesus on the cross 
the corrupt leaders of that time understood that if someone is on the cross, then there's a curse on them. And if they're still on the cross, when the Sabbath comes that evening, whatever curse is on that person on the cross, it comes off the cross and onto that village or on that town or on those people. And so we know the story that where Jesus was hanging between the two thieves, the Roman soldiers came and took a large mallet and they went to the first thief and they broke his legs with this mallet. The reason they broke his legs is so he couldn't hold himself up anymore and within minutes he would die because the weight of his body would cause him to suffocate. And then they took the mallet and went to the thief on the left and they broke his legs because in moments he'd be dead. But then they went to Jesus in the middle and they looked at him. And as they looked at him, they thought, is he dead? Well, this can't be. He's only been up there less than three hours. It takes three, four, five days for someone to die from crucifixion. They wanted it to be slow. They wanted to show fear to the Jewish people of the power of the Roman Empire. And they looked at him and they thought, is he dead? But see, they forgot the scripture that said, from the Passover lamb to the time of Jesus, when the Messiah comes and he dies for our sin, no bone in his body would be broken. And so they took a spear and the Roman soldier shoved it in his side. And when they shoved that spear in his side, out of that wound came blood and water. And it showed that Jesus had died. Around every heart is a sack of water. And that Jesus, when he was taking our sin, my sin on him, his heart exploded because he was experiencing the pain that sin brings to life. And when they shoved his side out of that wound came blood and water. Jesus died from the pain of a broken heart because he felt what his children go through when they don't know him. You know, the sign of blood is a covenant, the promises of God. The sign of water is a new beginning. And once again, Satan was a fool because he forgot the scripture says, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. Maybe there's something in your life. Maybe there's something you've gone through and it's, it's broke your heart. Can I pray the power of his resurrection on you and declare to you, that may have broke your heart, but your best is yet to come. What Satan meant for evil, look out because the joy and the happiness and the peace and the reward that God has is beyond anything. And so we claim right now that if your heart has been broken through something, that you begin to feel a peace that passes all understanding by the presence of God and knowing your future is in his hands. And I love, it's my favorite saying, your best is yet to come. So we see from the garden, whipping posts, crown of thorns, nails, spear. Now Jesus is dead in his body. When Jesus died, they took him off the tomb, off the cross, and they wrapped him in burial cloth and they put some herbs and spices. Most scholars will say that when they wrapped Jesus and they put layers of, of different herbs in there and different burial scents, that there was around 100 pounds in the burial cloth of Jesus. So we see Jesus' body coming down from the cross. We see them carry him into a tomb. We see them roll a stone to block this tomb. But the question is, during this time, from the time Jesus said, it's finished. 
I, I taught this this last week, but let me share it in case you're here and you haven't heard this. When Jesus hung on that cross, the Bible says he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That's ancient Hebrew or Western Aramaic. And if you read the scripture, it says, what did he say? Now, one of the reasons was is that some didn't speak that language. Rome didn't speak that language. And some because Jesus was from a different dialect. But they said, what did he say? Is he calling for Elijah? But if you read the original transcripts and how they described, he was speaking not Greek, but he was speaking worse than Aramaic. We translate it in English and it's a church tradition because the church fathers will tell you, we don't know what it means, but you have to look at it in ancient Hebrew. So we translate it, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that always bothered me because Jesus was with his disciples during the Passover meal. And Jesus said, listen, I'm gonna die for the sins of the world. They said, no, no, Rabbi, you can't, you can't do that. And he said, and not only that, you'll, you'll, you'll betray me, you'll leave me. They go, no, we won't leave you. And he said, don't worry, because I won't be alone. Read it, read it. It says, my father will never leave me. So when Jesus said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It, it doesn't match because he said, my father would never forsake me. He would never turn his back on me. If you read it in Aramaic, it says, my God, my God, for this reason, you have strengthened me because he knew that Satan was about to be defeated. That's literally what it means in Western Aramaic and Hebrew. My God, my God, this is why I'm here. So when the devil comes against you and he tries to beat you up, you need to cry out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, I know why I am here. I'm here to be the light of the world and tell the world, no matter what you're going through, Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, and Jesus will get you through this so then Jesus said my father into your hands and once again if God had turned his back on him he couldn't have said my father into your hands I commend my spirit and the Bible says Jesus gave up the ghost so here they're bringing his body down they put it in the tomb but during this time where is Jesus we know the shell of Jesus is in the tomb wrapped in the burial cloth. But the scriptures tell us that Jesus was fulfilling Bible prophecy. And I'm going to use this hammer so I save my foot. All the way back to the Garden of Eden. And Satan, I want you to hear this real loud. When Satan came in and tried to mess everything up, the father told the serpent, there's a time coming that my son will stomp on your head and crush you. Now we need to understand, you say, well, pastor Jesus shed his blood seven times. I only see six. We forget that the Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions, but he was bruised for our iniquity. A wound is bleeding on the outside. A bruise is bleeding on the inside. And so when Jesus went to the gates, he didn't go into hell. He went in the, I'm supposed to stomp on it, but I have to march in the living next week. When he stomped on the, on the devil's forehead and bruised his heel, he is breaking anything in us Never thought I'd quit drugs. Never thought I'd stop being angry. Never thought a lot of things would change, but he breaks something on the inside of us and releases us from every stronghold of Satan. So when I break this, yeah. When I break this, I want you to shout, it's finished. Are you ready? Yeah. Satan can't hold you anymore. Remember they howled, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us from the enemy. Every step of the way, he has delivered us from the enemy. 
When I shout, when I count three and smash it, shout, it's finished. Because this is the power of his resurrection. Are you ready? One, two, three. says that three women, Mary, Mary, and Salome. You know, I always think that when people say women have no place in the ministry, you know, while the big bad disciples were hiding, I'll wait. I'll wait. Ladies, don't let anybody tell you you don't have ministry. You, have, you probably have more right to ministry than any man does. But the Bible says that Mary, Mary, and Salome, knowing that the Sabbath was over, came to finish the anointing of Jesus' burial. And I want you to see this, because so many times God or the devil tells you, you know, it, it can't happen. And all God's waiting for you to do is take the first step. Because the Bible says, as they went, Mary said, who will remove the stone for us? The stone in front of Jesus was somewhere in Jesus' tomb was somewhere around a ton and a half to two tons. When we go to Israel, we will uh, go to two places that claim this is where Jesus was buried. One's, one is the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and some people say this is where Jesus We'll go, but you won't feel it. But then we'll go to what's called the Garden Tomb. And you'll walk right into the tomb that Jesus was buried in. You'll walk right in there. But when they said, who will remove this stone? You think about it, it's a two-ton stone. But most scholars will agree, and, and we picture this, and it's fine, it's fine. We picture this big round stone. But you know, archeologists will tell you that when they looked at tombs from ancient Israel, 95, 98% of them weren't round, they were square. And the Bible says, and the stone was sealed. How was it sealed? Well, picture this hole in the mountain that was chiseled out. Jesus is placed in there, and there's a large ditch that's dug in front of it, and they have this square tomb, and most of it were like a cork. It had a part that stuck out, and so they tipped it. They tipped it into this trench square, and the part that stuck out sealed it two tons. So here's these little women who know that the stone is there, it's sealed, it's in a ditch, it's square probably. And Rome put a unit of guards, four to 16 guards that stood just a few feet apart from each other. And they knew if they let anybody in there, it would cost them their lives. It would cost them their life. So Mary and Mary and Salome 
are going there because this is what they're supposed to do, not knowing how it will happen. But when they get there, the tomb has been, the, the, the stone has been removed. And if you read it, it's not just been rolled away. It's a wrong translation. A lot of our Bibles now say it, it was put aside. So it wasn't just rolled and they could squeeze in. It was put over there. Because God wanted to make sure everybody knew. Nobody rolled this away. I lifted it up by the Holy Spirit and put it way over there. Come on, somebody. And so when we look at problems in our lives and we go, who removed the stone from me? You know, I, I, I know I share this, but we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. My mother told Tiz not many years ago, she said, when Larry left St. Louis, South St. Louis and went to Arizona, I never thought I'd see him alive again because he was a junkie. He'd either get killed in a drug deal or he'd die of an overdose. And she prayed for me, but I had an aunt that believed God would do this. And so I'm sure they wondered who would remove this stone, the blood of Jesus in every area of our lives will remove this stone. But I love how the story ends. Mary goes in and here's the burial cloth of Jesus. And it's not flung aside as if somebody went in. Matter of fact, if you read the scripture, the soldiers, when Mary went in, saw that the tomb was empty. And so what, what did it say they did? They ran to town. They ran into the high priest and said, he's gone. We were standing right there. He's gone. And the high priest said, we're going to give you money so that you will say the disciples came and stole this body. And we'll make sure that the governor doesn't penalize you. But when, Jesus, when Mary walked in where Jesus was laid, it wasn't like the cloth was thrown away, like somebody grabbed him and threw the cloth away and carried him away. It was still perfectly in the shape of a, of a body. Just kind of collapsed a little bit because nobody grabbed him except the hands of the Father. And Mary looks at this and she says, they've taken my Lord and I don't know where he is. And then she sees a man. She thinks it's the gardener. And he says to her, what are you looking for? And she goes, have you taken my Lord? Please tell me where he is. Please tell me where he is. And then all of a sudden, God opened Mary's eyes and she said, Rabboni, Rabbi, is that really you? There are many times that you go through a battle and you go, Lord, where are you? He said, I'm not in there. I'm out here in the resurrected power of God. Then I love this last part. He said, Mary, go tell my disciples and Peter too. You know, I, I, of all the disciples, I, I, can, I, I don't know about you, I relate to Peter more than anything. You know, they came to rush Jesus, Peter cut the guy's ear off. It's my kind of Christian. <laughs> Jesus is always bailing Peter out. But you know why? Because Peter was always trying to do something. And I kind of look at that. He bails me out a lot. But at least I'm doing something he can bail me out of. But could you imagine if Peter was there, got the guys fishing, and Mary comes running up. He's risen! He's risen! And Peter's standing there and he hears, in his heart. Lord, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Peter, you'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. Can you imagine if Peter was standing there 
feeling I've betrayed him and he is the resurrected Messiah. And so Mary says to the guys, he wants all the disciples to come. Peter's feeling bad. And she said, Peter, he especially asked for you. You know, and I kind of think of that when I came in a drug addict. Nobody would pray with me. I came down the altar to kneel, and hair down to here, and everybody, you know, the, nobody prayed with me. But I said, God, if you're real, be real to me. And I felt like a million pounds lifted off, and I felt like what Peter must have felt like, he's calling for you. He knows what you've been. He knows what you've done. He's calling for you. He's asking for you. The Bible says at that point, John and Peter, in the book of John, John and Peter ran. They ran to the tomb. I love it because it says, and John beat him to the tomb. Of course, John wrote it. <laughs> I was reading that last night. I thought, John's still in there. I'm faster than chubby Peter. I don't know if Peter was chubby or not. I don't know. But John beat him to the tomb. And I look back at how many years ago that I came to Christ as a drug addict. Seven federal warrants out for my arrest. And I felt him saying, Jesus is asking for you. And when I read that last night, I said, don't ever let anybody beat you to the empty tomb of Christ because he's come to give us life and life more abundant. Amen. If you give me one more minute, I'd like to have every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. I just feel like people can relate to Peter. Maybe you've never known him. Maybe you heard the rooster crow. Peter, Mike, Sue, Linda, Mary, Jesus is asking for you. Can I tell you right now, he sees the whole world, but he's asking for you. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed and no one's looking around, you're here today just in your seat. And those that are watching with us around the world, we love you so much. You're here today and say, Pastor, I hear his call. I want to come home and receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, lift your hand up all over the building and hold it there the whole time, please. Hold it there the whole time. I see that hand, 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 that hand. See that hand, 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 little hand in there that hand 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 lift it up real high so I can see it through the cameras that hand 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 God bless you that hand God bless you give our Lord and Savior a great big clap offering I want you to take your neighbor's hands as a family because one will send a thousand fleeing, two will send 10,000 fleeing. And I want you to listen to me. Satan's next trick will say, you don't fit in at that church. You don't fit in. If they knew where you came from, if they knew your background, and you know what? If you want to tell me, that's great. You can't shock me. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. But no matter what anybody knows, he already knows. And Peter, he asks specifically for you. You cannot even imagine the destiny that Christ has for you because he loves you so much. 
Lift your neighbor's hands up all over the building. And those who are watching around the world, pray this with us also. Say this out loud. Say, Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much that Jesus Christ gave his life for my sin. And right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now say this with authority. Satan, get out of my life. Get out of my mind. Get out of my spirit. Get out of my body. Get out of my home. Get out of my family. Get out of my finances. Get out of my future. I declare in the name by his blood, the power of God is on me now and forever. So I'll say this loud. Jesus, you died for me. I will live for you because he got up. He got up. He got up. Satan, we declare you are defeated because he got up. Now give our resurrected Savior a great big hand. Come on, 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 come on. Let me say this before we go. Let me say this before we go. Almost, almost, I don't want to kill the, the anointing because I feel such the love of God here. But now that you're a Christian, you have a mission. You have a mission to be the light of the world. You have a mission to push darkness out so others can find the light. The young man, young Mexican man by the name of Bill Trujillo, five days old in the Lord, Mexican guy, five days old in the Lord, walked up to me, long hair, earrings, needle marks, walked up to me and smoking a joint. He said, I've never done this before, but I couldn't leave until I told you Jesus is who you're looking for. Can I tell you whatever they're out there they're looking for, Jesus is the answer. Share that with somebody in every venue we can. Next Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, now don't leave because I'm going to ask you to do something here in a minute. This coming Wednesday, we are doing a, we're doing a series, Pastor Troy is doing a series here called Biblical Citizenship. Say, Pastor, are you a Republican? Are you a Democrat? I am a member of the kingdom of God. I don't, I don't vote, I don't vote donkey. I don't vote, what's the other one? Huh? Elephant. I vote lamb the Lamb of God. And I want to ask you to come. We have Congressman, Congressman Louis, Louis Gomer that's going to come in and we're going to talk about the state of our nation and how we can become one nation under God. But I want to ask you to do something for me. Would you lift your hands towards me? And Katie, would you come up? Pastor Scott's up in the TV booth. We are leaving, um, we are leaving Friday We've been asked by the chief rabbi of Jerusalem to walk with him from Auschwitz death camp in Poland to Birkenau. And he, after meeting with him and, and, and talking with him, he, he said, I, I knew the Jews and Christians would come together, but we didn't think it would be till right before the coming of the Messiah. So Sunday, I think it was Sunday or Monday, we're called the March of the Living. And we're going to show the world he is, he is invited. It's history. A Jew and a, a pastor and a rabbi walking hand in hand saying Satan is defeated and it will never happen again. Amen. So I want to ask if you would lift your hands and Scotty's up in the pastor Scott and I and my daughter Katie are going with us. Would you lift your hands up and somebody have a microphone uh, and pray for us? Because I really believe this is, who wants to pray? Who wants to pray? Luke, just lead us in prayer. Lift your hands up and cover, cover our team as we go there that God would use this to show unity in the body of Christ in the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Let's stretch our hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for this divine appointment yes. and opportunity 
God, I ask that you would just lead, guide, and direct our team, Father, as they are in Israel. Father, I ask that there would be supernatural impartation and revelation in Jesus' mighty name upon their lives, upon their minds. God, let every place that they place the soles of their feet be anointed. I ask for divine connections. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray a hedge of protection around yes, them. Yes. And God, let this blossom, Father, new relationships in Jesus' mighty name that would bring Jews and Gentiles together for this appointed time in history in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Thank you for coming today. I love you. We love you. Tis love you.